Well, I hope you might uh, keep Acts 13 open in front of you and you might keep a thumb in Acts chapter 1 as well as we refer to that. Uh, As we wrap up this series, Prayer That Works, I hope it's been an encouragement to you. Uh, if you didn't get one of these on, your, um, on the first week or you've uh, forgotten about it, you've lost it, uh, we've given them out again to encourage you uh, to write down your prayers, put, uh, date them, put them down uh, and pray. Uh, it was uh, tremendously encouraging, probably the highlight of the series for me to hear uh, testimonies last Sunday, particularly about how Kate prayed for 40 days and saw not one answer, not two answers, not three answers, but four major breakthroughs in answer to 40 days of prayer Uh, and certainly that spurred Ruth and I on to take that up uh, and to see what kind of breakthroughs we might see in answer to our prayers. But uh, take this and you can um, put it down, date it and you can see uh, when it is that God answered. I think the answers came quicker, the kind of the third and fourth times uh, that uh, she she prayed, which was cool uh, as well. Uh, We're wrapping up this morning and it's going to be uh, Acts uh, chapter 13, 1 to 3. Uh, I want to tell you a story about uh, Pastor Larry who planted a church in the early 80s. Uh, This church um, experienced explosive growth, uh, major church growth, and people were asking him, you know, how did you do it? What was your secret? And, And his answer was always the same. He said, we didn't start a church, we started a prayer meeting. We didn't start a church. We started a prayer meeting, and that's how the church grew. Uh, in Acts chapter um, 13 to 14, if you know the, uh, the, the sort of the book of Acts and the structure, um, Acts chapter 13 and 14 is, is Paul's first missionary journey, uh, and we're, we're picking it up at the start, just before it happens. Um, and I can just imagine at the end of chapter 14, after Paul's first missionary journey, people asking him, Paul, how on earth did you plant so many churches across the Mediterranean? And his reply would have been, we didn't start a church, we started a prayer meeting. That's what we see in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. They're not starting a church, they're in a prayer meeting. And that's where the power happened. Uh, I've brought uh, with me uh, the space, some space shuttle propulsion trivia from NASA, the uh, space agency. Uh, and I wish I could say it's not rocket science, but obviously uh, it is. Uh, but uh, there are a few things in here that uh, I could kind of comprehend about um, rocket science. And uh, this one says, uh, the two solid rocket boosters in the uh, rocket generate a combined thrust of 2.4 million kilograms, equivalent to 44 million horsepower. Uh, for, for one of their jets. Here's another one. At liftoff, the two solid rocket boosters... Uh, uh, can we show the amazing photo I have of a rocket to capture people's imaginations, at least a little bit more than my words? There you go. Uh, there's one. At liftoff, the two solid rocket boosters consume 5,000 kilos of fuel per second. They consume 5,000 kilograms of fuel per second. That's 2 million times the rate at which fuel is burned by the average family car. Well, brothers and sisters, the church is on the launching pad in Acts chapter 13. The gospel is on the move in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Uh, In 
both of our readings that we had, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 13, we see that the rocket fuel for the gospel, the rocket fuel for mission, the rocket fuel for church growth is prayer. That's what we see in Acts chapter 1 and in Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the risen Lord Jesus says, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so it would be more accurate to say that the Holy Spirit is the rocket fuel for mission and the rocket fuel for the gospel going out. To paraphrase John Piper from a few weeks ago, faith is the furnace of our lives and the fuel of faith is the Holy Spirit, but the divinely appointed shovel for feeding that burner is prayer. If you lose heart and lay down the shovel, you will grow cold and the fire will go out. It's interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ promises them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you would have thought with that promise they could go take a holiday, kick up their heels and drink a pina colada by the pool because he's already promised it. But that's not what they do. What do they do at the end in chapter, in chapter 1 verse 14? They don't kick up their heels, though it's promised. How do they tap into that rocket fuel? They were constantly devoted to prayer, says at the end of chapter 1, verse 14. And that prayer meeting lasted for 10 days. And then what happened on day 10 in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, verse 1? Boom! Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thousands of people converted while they were praying. And then we see the fulfillment of Christ's promise through that prayer meeting and the promised power of the Holy Spirit. In, if you know the structure of Acts, in Acts chapter 1 to 7, we see the gospel spreading through Jerusalem, like Jesus promised in verse 8. And then in Acts chapter 8 to 12, we see it go to Judea and all Samaria. And now, in Acts chapter 13, the church in Antioch, it's about to explode out into the world. And the launching pad is a prayer meeting. And so I want you to see in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, I want you to see the power of a praying parish council. Have a look, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod, the ruler, and Saul. This was an incredibly diverse leadership team. You had Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, Africans. You had the former terrorist Saul who was terrorizing Christians along with Menea who was a high flyer in Herod's court. They, these are the making up the leadership of the church in Antioch. And what were they doing? Verse 2. They were worshipping the Lord and fasting. Verse 3. They were fasting and praying. Brothers and sisters, this is what Christian ministry looks like. This is what Christian leadership looks like. Worshipping the Lord and fasting, praying and fasting. 
And so we see, once again, that the planning meeting comes after the prayer meeting. In chapter 1, it was the same thing. They had a leadership crisis. One of the dudes had betrayed Jesus and they needed to replace him. But they didn't get to a planning meeting. It comes after verse 14, the planning meeting in chapter 1. What happens before the planning meeting is verse 14, the prayer meeting. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 13. Brothers and sisters in Christ, first comes prayer, then comes power, then come the plans. Remember, after prayer the power will be on. After prayer, the plans will be provided. The Holy Spirit speaks to them in their prayer meeting. By God's grace, the church in Antioch had a praying parish council who experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and the plans of the Holy Spirit as they gathered together, worshipping, fasting and praying. And guess what? Our parish council is meeting this morning. And guess what? We need your prayers. Because we want the power of the Holy Spirit. And we want the plans of the Holy Spirit. As we plan for next year, we also have nominators who are looking for the person whose God has called, not who they've called. And guess what we need to do? We need to pray. Wouldn't it be great if the Spirit of the living God spoke to the church in Cottesloe the way that we see him speak to the church in Antioch here, giving us his power and his plans for his purpose? In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And it's interesting because Paul and Barnabas and these leaders here, this parish council in the church in Antioch, they didn't ask God to set apart Paul and Barnabas. That's not what they were asking. But God gave them that answer. And they couldn't have even imagined what it was that Paul and Barnabas were going to be set set apart to do. The, The explosion of the gospel across the Mediterranean, the planting of churches all around the Mediterranean, The writing of Paul's letters to these churches, which now make up almost half of the New Testament. You bet God can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine because they weren't asking and they weren't imagining. And look what God did. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart could imagine a God like you who works for those who wait for him. That's Isaiah 64, verse 4. Brothers and sisters in Christ, where do you put your hope? Where does the power come from? Where do the plans come from? They come from the Holy Spirit as we gather around in prayer. You better believe it. No wonder in Ephesians 1, verse 18, Paul prays for the Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened to know God's incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. To him be glory, the one and only God, 
No wonder he prayed that their eyes would be open. Look what he saw here in Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. He saw God's immeasurably great power at work. And so he prays that the Ephesian church would have their eyes open to the same. That's the power of a praying parish council. And now let's look at the clear call of God in verse 2. It says, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So what's clear is that the Holy Spirit is the one doing the calling. They didn't appoint themselves. It was the Holy Spirit who called them, firstly. And secondly, what's clear is that there's work to be done. He says, for the work to which I've called them. He calls us into service, into good works. Like, again, Paul says to the church in Ephesus... For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance for us to do so that we might walk in them. So the Holy Spirit is doing the calling and there's work to be done, but what's not clear, what's not clear is what the work is. The work to which I've called them. Uh, Lord, uh, could you be a little bit more specific, please? No. I'll show you later. Does that ring any bells? Having looked at the life of Abraham. Go, he says to Abraham, from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house. Go to the land that I will show you. Lord, uh, could I have a little bit more detail, please? No. I'll show you later. I'm calling you to trust in me. I'm calling you to follow me. I'm calling you onto a life adventure with me. What more could you want? Without knowing where, without knowing when, without knowing how, I'm calling you to good works that I've prepared in advance for you to do. And what good works they were for Paul and Barnabas. This much is guaranteed. I will be with you and I've got good works prepared for you. I guarantee you. I'll never forget hearing God's call myself at a youth camp, 18 years old, somewhere under the sun, Phillip Island, Victoria. God's call on my life. I had plans for my life. I had plans for my future. Applied for things like commerce and business and arts and law and God in his kindness slammed the door in my face for every one of them. It's deeply painful. God's call is a shock. It can be. C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pains. I'm at this camp, the um, preaching was on Joshua, uh, Joshua and, and the call of Joshua. And, and he's this young man, the, the, the great Moses has died and he's standing on the edge of a land filled with, with 
giants and, and armies and, and the good works are to put, take that land for the kingdom of God. And Joshua 1.9 is up on my wall to this day. He says to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so my life was at a crossroads. Am I going to keep on doing life my way, in my strength? Or am I going to take up the call and the adventure to do life God's way, in God's strength, and in God's great kindness? I chose to go His way, in His mercy. I went forward for prayer one night and God made himself incredibly real to me as the pastor prayed for me. I was blown away. Talk about power. Talk about the Holy Spirit. And I remember walking back to my room full of guys that night, 18-year-old guys, throwing pillows at each other, probably farting and just disgusting. And I knew through all the mayhem, I just remember being in the midst of it going, I'll never be the same. And I didn't bother trying to say anything because I knew I wouldn't be able to convey it. So I'd heard God's call on my life. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where I was going, but I knew that he was with me. He promised to be with me. You see, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He equips the called. Where God guides, he provides Where God directs, he protects. And where God leads, he feeds. I will be with you. And so Paul and Barnabas answered the call. Can you hear God's call on you this morning? Go. Can you hear God's call on your heart this morning? Follow me. I'll be with you. Paul and Barnabas answered the call, verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The call to adventure, the call to mission, the call to the good works that God prepared in advance for them. And so if you hear that call this morning, hear the word of the Lord. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. Answer the call. I I don't care how old you are, there's good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do that you might walk in them. So we've seen, importantly, the power of a praying parish council and the clear call of God. So as we begin to wrap up, I want to share a story. One day I was driving and I saw a figure on the side of the road and and so I thought, YOLO, you only live once. So I I thought I'd pull over and I said, G'day. It was Jesus. So I opened the door and he said, can I help you? I said, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Hop in and patted the passenger seat next to me. He walked around to the driver's seat And I was like, what are you doing? 
I thought you were going to help me. I grabbed the steering wheel and my heart began to race. Jesus said, "I, I can help you. If you let me control the car, you'll belong to me. Your life will be in my hands and I will take you on an adventure. But if you don't let me drive the car, you won't belong to me. Your life won't be in my hands and you'll be doing it all on your own. I finally let go of the wheel, got out of the car, walked around, hopped into the passenger seat and Jesus got in the driver's seat, took the wheel and off we went, beginning the greatest adventure of my entire life. Do you know what? I hate to think what would have happened if I didn't answer the call. A hymn we sang this morning. God gives us a future, daring us to go into dreams and dangers on a path unknown. We will face tomorrow in the Spirit's power. We will let God change us for new life starts now. There's a logic to the passage this morning. First came prayer, then came power, then came the plans. You'll be aware that the nominators are looking for a new minister. We need to pray. You're aware that the parish council is meeting today, thinking and planning for next year and for our future. We need to pray. We're starting a mission next week, an outreach with the cast of Christmas, our Advent and Christmas series. You know what we need to do? We need to pray. So let's pray now. Father, thank you for the incredible privilege that you give us of prayer. Thank you for the stories that you give us, the launching pad of the gospel from the church in Antioch to the ends of the earth. And we pray, Father, that this church in Cottesloe would be the launching pad for your gospel in this community and to the ends of the earth. Teach us how it happens, Lord. Open our eyes that we might see the incomparably great power you have for us who believe. Teach us to pray. Teach us how this works, Lord. Bless our parish council meeting. Would you graciously give us leaders who pray? Bless our mission to Cottesloe. Would you call people here? And Jesus, we don't want anyone but the person that you've called to St. Philip's for the good works that you've prepared for them in advance. So make that call loud and clear and in the meantime, teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.